The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello and thank you for watching. Can you are hear you that? right? Can you hear You're that? looking over your shoulder for people who are listening in. <laughs> Charlie as well about to start the podcast. Or, or if you're watching, if this is the clip that we've clipped out as the best <laughs> bit of this show, which is sad. <laughs> like these opening remarks with you looking over your shoulder. You, you can't hear quite that. panicked. Like, there's a clanking sound. It's like it's like the start of a horror film. There is yeah, a, like a Slender Man or something. There is a no, there is a. Cl- I'm on like the eighth floor of an apartment, and it sounds mm-hmm. like there is someone <laughs> clanging a metal bar outside my bathroom window, which is impossible because there is no balcony there. The window is not open, so it couldn't be the wind blowing. It's it, it stopped now. But did you not hear that? It's even more spooky when it stops because then you're like, what, what is that <laughs> motherfucker up to? He's sneaking, sneaking up on me now. He knows that I'm onto him. I knew where he was when he was clanging. Yeah, I'm not sure about, I'm not sure about what's going on. If I, all right, well, if, if like we're doing the, we, we go ahead, we do the pod as per normal. And, you know, we're doing this obviously via webcam. Yeah. And you see a shadow oh my God. <laughs> fall Can across the, the curtain like, behind me. If and I then, see... <laughs> Okay. All right. So <laughs> behind you, because I can see your shadow behind you at the moment on the wall. Yeah. If coming towards your shadow was the shadow of like another like, like a hulking figure. A hulking yeah. figure with what looks like a machete in their hand. <laughs> yeah, like a machete or like I'm imagining something like I guess this is like what we did last summer, but I'm imagining some sort of nautical theme, like a dude with a right. hook as a hand yeah. in a raincoat. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. been like climbing up the side of the building using his hook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what you've I'm, been hearing. You're right though. We can't do, I know what you did last summer. We need, to, this is a new franchise. We need to launch a fresh, a fresh villain. So what would it be like? So nautical theme, an anchor, like a little anchor, like maybe, it was a dude who got like, you know, unjustly killed in his dinghy and he had like, the, you know, the little anchors they have, they wrapped uh-huh. around his throat and threw him overboard. And so now he uses that anchor in a chain and he'll either, he'll either throttle you or he'll put the, the blade of the anchor through your skull. Okay. So anchor man, <laughs> we can't call it that. <laughs> we probably have a big opening weekend. Yeah. We're just like, I don't know what you're talking about. There is clearly a gap between anchor and man in our title. It is a completely different movie. I've got another movie. It's a serious drama about a guy who studies spiders. We call it Spider Man. Spider Gap Man. It is a different movie. And then you won't believe this idea I've got about this bat gap man. Uh, so you've seen the new... Uh, oh, hang on. Before man. we move on to that, no, I want to explore the idea. Oh, okay, that you we're still going with Anchorman. You reckon so, there's yeah, more gold so, in them hills? <laughs> well, because I feel like this is like a Blumhouse. Like okay. we could pitch this the Blumhouse. It would have been a perfect pandemic project. Like two podcasters. It's zeitgeisty, right? Like you know, this is the 
you know, there's a whole bunch of like, I think in the last Halloween film, maybe there was like a podcaster doing a true, true crime. It yeah. It starts off with a true crime podcast. Look, the, the first thing I'd say is the webcam horror movie thing has been done a couple of times. I think that one of the last paranormal activities was all like webcam. There's a really good horror film called unfriended, which is a bunch of teenagers having like a group chat on zoom and creepy things are happening in the background and they're getting kidnapped and stuff. So we're already too late <laughs> for that. You know? So well, this is find- more, this is a different twist. Okay. The twist of this is yeah. Anchor man comes in yep. and he like, Sneaks up behind you. Yeah. Now, in that moment, do you want me to warn you? Yeah. Well, my question, the original question was going to be, do you keep podcasting? <laughs> like, because on one hand, you know, you could maybe save my other, my save my life. But on the other hand, this is great content. We've started videoing stuff now. Like, imagine this would get the Tofop YouTube channel, like 10 million hits. If you had footage of the moment I was killed by the anchorman oh you know what actually you're absolutely right It'd i'm gonna die new- anyway it's very right. little unlikely that you saying look out turn around that i'm gonna survive so just keep your mouth shut and let the clicks roll on that's what i say <laughs> I mean, well, I'm, I'm gonna go i'm gonna go a step further if okay. that many people are gonna be tuning in to watch you get murdered i'm gonna roll out some of my best unrecorded stand-up over the top so basically, you know, well, it's like me putting out a special, right? Sure. Take that, Dave Chappelle. My spe- <laughs> <laughs> People tune in and you're being bashed with an anchor. And I'm like, so anyway, a funny thing happened on the way to Wagga Wagga. <laughs> What's up with airplanes? Why don't make, they make the whole thing out of the black box? <laughs> Charlie would be alive if he just had a helmet made it out of the black box from an airplane. <laughs> Airplane right, so food is terrible. You know what else is terrible? Being murdered. So what if? All right. So what if it's a? I fight him off for a bit. So yeah, great. Like you, you, well, you that's better. Stumbling about. I get further you know, through my show. Yeah. <laughs> you want a tight five out of this, Charlie? <laughs> keep your jukes up. I'm almost to the punchline, Charlie. Fight. <laughs> I haven't even got on the plane yet. Fight. <laughs> Is that better? So I put up like a little bit of a struggle yeah. or if it's just like a one hit kill, like he just puts the thing straight, straight through my skull, like more shocking kind of like. <gasps> I would try to get in a dialogue. I'd try to get the murderer on the podcast. Right. So after he's killed me or during the attack? I mean, look, if he was willing to do it during, I mean, Absolutely, that would be fantastic. But, but in the tradition of those villains, though, your Mike Myers and the Jason mm-hmm. Voorhees, they're not known... Not big talkers. Not big talkers. Well, Although I'm imagining, this, I'm imagining this guy is more like your Freddy Krueger-style conversation. Oh, he loves a chat. <laughs> loves a chat. <laughs> Mate, can't shut him up. Pretty soon he'll be doing the tight five. <laughs> End up doing a three-hour podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I'm just keeping him talking until the authorities arrive. See, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, like, get him to sit down, sort of do his confessional to me. The authorities arrive. They solve the murder of Charlie Clawson. So this has a good happy ending for me. Like a terrible ending for you. What about he sits down in the chair and, you know, you start talking. But then he says, you're next. You're next. It's not going to be hard to find you, Mr. Bloody, on host a million shows in the ABC. Easy to track down. I know where you are. 
He accidentally kills Adam Hills, Charlie Pickering. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah. He's a white guy, middle-aged white guy, who hosts a panel show on the ABC. Sean McAuliffe's found dead. <laughs> Police are like, there's a pattern. We just can't see what the pattern is yet. It's like the Terminator killing all the Sarah Connors before he gets the right one. He's just being systematic. Straight white middle-aged comedian on the ABC. We'll get to him eventually. Paul McDermott found murdered in a Bondi apartment. Well, I've never... In those films, like I think that... Did you ever see It Follows, which was like a kind of more of an indie sort of slasher film? It came out a few years ago where it's... Mm. I think the metaphor, the idea is that you sleep with someone and by having sex you assume this curse where this this evil force is going to hunt you down and it can take the form of anyone. So any person in any anywhere you are could be the killer and they, they don't run at you, they just walk towards you very slowly and it's quite unnerving it's that i think the the metaphor is the idea of um that you know death comes for all of us at this creeping pace you know you can't outrun it you can't hide from it no matter where you go it will just be this consistent you know forward moving thing that comes after you um but what they i think what they did well in that is the idea that if you know that you're going to die (laughs) Like if you know that this thing is coming for you and you can't, you can't negotiate with it, you can't, you can't bargain with it, then what do you do? And these kids just were like, well, fuck it. <laughs> we'll just pass the, the curse on to someone else. <laughs> I mean, spoilers, you haven't seen It Follows, but that's the idea is because it's, it's a sexually transmitted curse they go to a brothel and infect a prostitute the idea being that she'll have sex with lots of clients and then the the line will get so tangled that the 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 curse won't be able to find them i mean sounds like a real feel-good movie (laughs) it is actually it's a lot of fun (laughs) uh yes i did watch the uh, uh batman trailer in fact i watched it just before we came on to do this podcast just in case we wanted to talk about it uh what were your initial thoughts are you excited um, no. about the idea of a new Batman movie? No, no. Like, it's funny. I, I watched it this morning and then I showed it to Jem. Well, my first thoughts were like, this looks like Seven. This looks like if David Fincher mm. in 1996 had made a Batman movie, I imagine yeah. this is what he would have made, um, which is fine. Like, I like Nirvana. I like David Fincher. All the references are fine. But I showed it to Jem and I think she summed up how I felt. She was like, oh, yeah. It would be great if this was for an original idea. <laughs> and I was right. like, yeah, I think that's, that's the kind of point. Is that it, all had, it had all the bells and whistles and stuff, but I just was, I was not excited by it. I felt like I've seen it before. In the same way that the Joker, that Joker felt like it was, let's take all the best bits from those 70s kind of films, Scorsese films. This feels like, oh, let's take all the best bit from the late 90s and we'll make that. And so I'm like, Maybe I'm just at that age where I recognize... I'm, I'm kind of like that with... you like this with fashion? Like, I see that the 90s are kind of back for, like, zillennials in fashion. Like, they're wearing a lot of the same clothes that we did. And I'm like, oh, I see that's back again, is it? And I remember, like... <laughs> I remember in the 90s when we started wearing, like, 70s, like, flares and yeah. stuff are coming back that my older siblings being like, oh, you know, I see the 70s are back. And maybe like, shut up, old man. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we invented this look. Yeah, whereas I have pretty much done the eight, last 18, 18 months in two hoodies, 
which are just mm. a black and white version of the same hoodie. <laughs> that, that's been my, I've gone the complete opposite direction where I see people out and about now wearing fashion. Like, you know, oh, one that you mentioned, uh, it was on Fofop, an episode of Fofop a, a few episodes back where you were talking about the fact that um, uh, the, the fashion at beaches now is that sort of Brazilian thong bikini. Mm, and it everywhere. is not just, it's not an exception. It's like, it's clearly a fashion. It's clearly a generation of people going, like of different ages, of different demographics, who are going, this is the fashion of bikini that is in style at the moment. And it mm. is, so the last few days, like the last week in Sydney, when it's like, you know, freedom and people are out and about more. So where the beach, a couple of beaches I live nearby that I've walked by, I have just been overwhelmed by, Bucks. oh, I guess that's that's a thing now, is it? Yeah. <laughs> and the thing you notice too is like there's degrees of G-string. There's like the super thin mm. shoestring one, then there's like the three-quarter one and stuff. And it's funny because I keep, <laughs> I'm going to sound so old, I keep thinking like I won't be shocked, <laughs> but then like I see smaller and smaller ones and I'm like, oh my God, like what is going on here? How oh, is that? I've, I've been the same. And again, like I'm absolutely 100% up for anyone whatever wearing makes you whatever feel anybody wants to wear. Like, yeah. and if I were as a younger man, like, oh my God. Like I remember when we used to live at Bondi and go for a run and stuff and just be quite amazed by both the scenery and just like the good looking people, men, women, whatever. Like you'd just be like, oh, how good's this? How good's life, yeah. right? Yeah. But I, I don't know if I could go for a run <laughs> in this day and age with everybody just not wearing any clothes. No, it'd be like you, the teacher in year 10 asking you to come up and solve a problem on the blackboard. Yeah, you'd be like, no, no I'll thanks. just... Uh- <laughs> Like, I, I literally walked away from the beach. I was like, I just don't feel like this is right. And I was like on a path 100 metres away from the water. It's funny though, but it's it's mainly obviously for, for women. Like, I'm sure there are certain men who are maybe getting around in the G-string briefs as well, but mainly the, the change in swimsuits has come for women. But I wonder, like, you know, for men, I see it more in the physical, like... There, Every teenager is oh, ripped these days. You know what I mean? Like every like teenagers with six packs, like jacked, especially, you know, where I am on the Gold Coast at the moment. During school holidays, like I was getting intimidated by like muscle bound 15 year olds, like going up and down the boardwalk. I'm like, you're too young to have muscles. I remember when I was, we had like a great gym at my high school and stuff, but we never used it. Like no. we didn't, we just played footy and, you know, mucked around and tried to get booze and stuff. I don't remember. Cause the amount of hours I know, I know now the amount of hours required in the gym to get that kind of mm. physique. And it's a lot like it's six days a week. It's, you know, eating right. It's eating a lot of chicken and stuff. And I'm like, how are these kids got time a for school, but B anything else. I mean, they, they're going to be, they're going to be doing that in the morning and in the evening to get, that shredded unless and this is a this is a caveat there are some people who are genetically gifted i do have mates in high school who just you know were natural athletes and and look good but i get the feeling that and i don't know this is wild but do you reckon kids are juicing because i've seen some super jacked teenagers well it wouldn't surprise me if they're at the very least like following like diets with supplements and you know all that sort of shit like you know yeah. like doing and maybe because you're younger and you're like 
can burn I don't know, but, shit faster. Yeah, may, maybe it's easier to kind of like, like, because as kids, you look pretty good by doing no time in the gym. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like if you're a fit kid and you run around, you still kind of look okay. So, But these are gym bodies. It's different. But that's what I'm being, saying though, yeah. is like that from there, if you can get that good just by just living your normal life, if you then suddenly do a couple of sessions in the gym a day, maybe you get just like really ripped really quickly. Maybe that's what we're meant to be like. Maybe we're finally, like we've coddled our children too much, you know, like we... They lay around doing nothing for two years and then we look after them for another 16 years before we really let them do anything. Maybe maybe kids are meant to be like super jacked. <laughs> well, you know what I was thinking about was uh, there's a heavyweight boxing match last week. I think it was last week. And is it Tyson Fury, mm. the British Tyson boxer? Tyson Fury, yeah. Yeah. And he's like a big, Irish? like he Irish? heavy set English guy. What? Is he English or Irish? Yeah, I, th- I think I, I think he's English. English, but right. like he is the number one heavyweight boxer in the world, and he has the body of like your local butcher or mm. something. But clearly, like boxing is one sport where you can't skimp on. Like he's got to have that combination of power, agility, balance, coordination, cardio, all that kind of stuff. But he doesn't look like it. Like you know, we have been conditioned by superhero films to think well. If you're a super athlete, then you have that, you know, Captain America or Thor body. But this dude is like, no, no, like I am a genuine athlete. Like I literally do what people in the movies do. I fight people, you know, for a living. And it's like... Yeah, anyone, in fact. Like anyone, bring us your biggest dude and I am willing to fight him. And yes, I do look like a butcher. Would you like some sausages? But it must be a purely aesthetic thing because there were athletes prior to the 80s. Like I always... I think the 80s with Schwarzenegger and stuff, that's when that total kind of roided out super physique came into vogue. But prior to that, like if you look at, you know, movie stars from the 60s, like Sean Connery, you know, if you watch an old Bond film and he takes his shirt off, you're like, <laughs> like oh, who melted James Bond? But he was a, like a heartthrob and he probably was fit. He was, he was you know, probably super fit for, for the day. But we just have gotten so condition to seeing especially in like movie stars and and actors when they take off their shirt they have to have a six-pack they've got to have pecs and stuff but maybe we well, don't will i mean well but also i would more say than just like, like our well-being but functionally like if if tyson fury or whatever can be the heavyweight champion and look like that then what the fuck are we doing well i would say my dad is much fitter than I have ever been because he like played heaps of sport, but also he worked as a farmer. Like it still does work as a farmer, but like very physical outdoor work. I don't think there would ever have been a time in my entire life that I would be as all round fit as him. But like there'd be times where I would have looked externally younger and fitter than him. Yeah. But he would have been more functionally fitter than me. Like, and to be honest, I'm not even talking if you take us at the same age. He would have been more functionally fitter than me like 30 years after that same age at most of those times. Well, it's a callback, Will. Your dad was handy jacked. We've discussed this on the show. There's farm, there's farm fit. Your dad because well, he... I think w- he was though. Like, I mean, you can't do those sort of jobs without being like fit, right? Like there's just a mm. general level of all-round fitness you have to have to perform the duties of your job. All right, so getting back to Batman, we can tie it. We can tie it back in. So, my other issue is Robert Pattinson as Batman, which seems crazy because my issue with him is I just am like I don't find him 
intimidating in the slightest. And it's crazy because like Michael Keaton was Batman and, you know, he was Mr. Mum. Yet somehow I think that, oh, no, I can sort of buy him being crazy enough to wear a bat suit. But I just, I don't know, there's something about him that I'm like, oh, could he, I can't see him being unhinged. Christian Bale, 100%. Could see him being unhinged. Ben Affleck, yeah, he looks like like a roided out Batman bro. But I'm just not buying the, the bat and bat. Yeah, like you, you look at a guy who played a vampire famously in a whole bunch of movies and go, I just can't associate with him with bats in any way. <laughs> This man. No, I, I just, um, no, I know what you mean, but you haven't seen Tenet, right? No, I haven't seen Tenet. It's so he's so good in Tenet, not playing an intimidatory character, but right. just like so good in that movie that it makes you think he could do anything. Like okay. it's one of those it's one of those performances where you're like, yeah, I just want to see what you do with this because I now think you're a really good actor. Oh, I've, I've, I think he's a good actor. I, I've I've seen him in stuff that I really like, mm. like The Rover and stuff, but it's just more. I don't know this I think to play Batman you either seem to have to be unhinged like you know George Clooney and Val Kilmer aside you got to have that kind of crazy that Michael Keaton has or you've got to have that intensity that Christian Bale has and I just I don't know I haven't seen that in Robert Pattinson I think he plays well, I, also we haven't seen it in these in this trailer that's true right I don't think that like I think he could play both of those things, but there's nothing from these tra- the the other uh, teaser in the trailer to indicate like they didn't show us enough of that or any of that really. Like you yeah. know, like you see a little of him being deranged, you know, kind of like screaming at whoever you assume is maybe the Riddler through the like the screen or whatever. Like you know, there's moments where you're like, oh yeah, that's like him being like deranged Batman, but. You don't see, you know, any of that enigmatic side or whatever that other side would necessarily be of him. Kind of, yeah, you're yeah. right. I mean, the other thing I would say, and I did put something on Twitter, is there's a scene which is great for a trailer, where he's coming down a hallway and there's two guys with machine guns and they're just like blasting him with machine guns and he takes them out, and I'm like. Part of the appeal of Batman is that he's not superpowered, you know, that he's had to train, hone his body and train his ninjutsu skills to a point where he can outsmart and use stealth and he can be brutal when he wants to, but he's not going to walk headfirst into gunfire. That seems like a real dumb approach. And if you give him this like bulletproof suit, then I don't know. I just, I think you take away a very compelling element of Batman. Okay, so here's what I would say about that. I don't have as much of a problem with the suit because he's always had various forms of armor, right? Mm-hmm. But I absolutely agree with you on his tactics. Yeah. But because, like, how does he know they're not going to shoot him in the face? Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't have, like, a Ned Kelly hat on, like, yeah. right? So you're absolutely correct. Like, yes, he's got body armor on, but the way that he's going down that corridor is as if he's impervious to being shot. Whereas if they just aimed up about 10 centimeters, they would have murdered Batman and that's the end of the movie. And you could also understand if he was walking straight at them and they were firing like single shot mm. revolver or a handgun, but they're spraying wildly with a machine I mean, gun. Like, you could have your like, eye out on a ricochet, Batman. Just <laughs> drenching. Because there's a similar scene in The Dark Knight Rises where he, and it doesn't attack. I mean, even a, put your arm armor up in front of your <laughs> eyes at the very least, you know? I mean, look, I was watching it on my iPhone. Maybe he was, but I, I couldn't make it out that well. But there's that scene in The Dark Knight Rises where they're in the going into Bane's lair 
with him and Catwoman. And he does that weird sort of like zigzaggy thing where he's hard to shoot. And it's like, well, that makes sense. He's a ninja. He sticks to the shadows. He's going to make it hard for you to hit him. But this one was kind of like, come at me, bro. Like, I'm just going to walk. I'm going to walk like like just headlong into... Face first. Unprotected face first. Beautiful, unprotected face first. Maybe it's not Batman. Maybe there's a fake out coming because it just, it does, it's just, also, I just think that if you're going to have a grounded, like they seem, you can't have your cake in it too. If you're saying this is a grounded Batman, it's going to be a noir thriller or whatever, then I don't care how thick your armor is or your, or, or your bulletproof vest or whatever. Getting hit repeatedly from close range by two machine guns will knock you off your feet. Like the idea that he could just keep going and take these two guys out, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, more ridiculous is the idea. And again, we haven't seen the whole scene, so maybe it's played out. Yeah. But the fact that the Riddler has managed to put that perfect question mark foam art on the top of his latte (laughs) is like, because like, even if you're really good at foam art, you've got a small window where that foam art is still resembling what the foam art was. So he's got to have timed that so perfectly. I mean, look, it's only a trailer. They might have cut out the good 20 minutes of explanation that it needs. Here's the one thing I I do like about, not the one thing, but something that I'm like, Mm. all right, I'll look forward to this, is that Catwoman and Batman combo will be the subject of so much slash fiction. Like, you probably couldn't get two more beautiful sexy leading actors on screen together. Like, sure. I mean, if a sex tape got released from those two, yeah, sure. I'd be interested to see that. You couldn't get two more perfectly formed, attractive human beings on screen together. I mean, so that's Zoe Kravitz, right? Mm. And so I started following her on Instagram uh, when Mad Max came out, I think. Uh, Fury Road came out. And... I stopped following her on Instagram because like she would like she posts very some very body body positive or just like fashion stuff that is like you know again like she's like you know proud of like being a beautiful person and that's absolutely fine but it was just like I was like I felt bad that I might be on a bus or something and somebody would be flicking through my Instagram feed and people would see these photos. I felt that same feeling I felt at the beach when I saw those bikinis. I was like, this is not for me anymore, old man. Step away. Well, it's funny that I have done the same thing where I started my algorithm, you know, when on Instagram you get that like recommendations page Mm -hmm. and all my recommendations were, were either half-naked women or half-naked men. Like it was either bodybuilders and personal trainers or bikini models. And I was like, I I, I was racking my brain because I'm like, I'm sure I do not spend that much time. I don't follow any models on Instagram. I don't follow, like there's about two or three like personal trainers or, 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 or athletes that I follow. Yet I guess it's the time I'm spending looking at those pages or whatever that, that they're like, oh, you like that? We got more of this kind of stuff. So I've had to delete all of those and it's it's corrected my feed. But now it's very boring. It's just AFL players. It's like 90% like Charlie Cameron. <laughs> well, again, like if it's, you know, Bailey Smith, then it's half naked men again. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was your take on the trailer? Uh, yeah. Look, I, I mean, I'm... I'm fully on board uh, Robert Patterson as like a, just an actor now. So yeah. um, 
I'm interested from that point of view. I'm just not that excited. No. Like that's the truth of it. I thought it looked okay, but yeah, you but feel I like you could. Didn't... You're not going to rush out to the cinemas to see it. Like I think the Matrix trailer. I am more curious about. Yeah, that. definitely. I was more excited about what the Matrix might be than I am about this. Well, I clicked the fandom hashtag after I watched the Batman trailer because I was like, oh, what else have they got out there? And here is something that I was not expecting. But there is a trailer for The Flash or a teaser for The Flash. Did you watch this? No. Okay. So um, I believe they're doing a variation on Flashpoint. So it's like Barry Allen in multiple timelines and stuff. And the teaser starts off with a voiceover. And I'm like, I recognize that voice. Who is that voice? And then it's like Barry Allen going through these different timelines and he ends up in like the Batcave. And then he is talking to the Batman to say, will you be part of our team? And I'm like, holy fucking shit, that's Michael Keaton. And then you see like the old bat suit used just from behind. Michael Keaton step into frame. And I was like, all right, I want to see that. Like I've, I rail against nostalgia porn on this show all the time. I hate it when they're like, oh, you like this? We've got this. That's one I'm gonna, I am keen to see. If you're going to bring back Michael Keaton as like an old grizzled Batman in the old 89 Batman suit, I'm definitely keen to see that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that in any movie you're releasing. I don't care (laughs) what it is. Just put Michael Keaton in the old bat suit. I'm happy to see it. Uh, Well, I brought something in today that uh, is very much in the TOEFOP oeuvre of topics we like to discuss. I'll let you guess. What's one of our most off-discussed hypotheticals? Time travel. You brought in a time travel. You brought in a time time travel machine. Yeah, time travel. A DeLorean. Here it is. You come here yeah. in a DeLorean. <laughs> it's called tequila. Um, no, did you see this article? This was published today on uh, on the Seven News website. Um, the headline is: "I invented a time machine to save my father's life." Oh, okay. I'm curious. Professor Ron Mallet isn't kidding when he says that time travel is real. Not only is it real, he knows exactly. How to do it. I'm suspicious. So, I've read this article. Let me just say they're overcooking it a little bit. does not know how to do it. <laughs> they bold it. They put exactly all in capital letters. And uh, okay. having read that, you know, just call your jets a little bit, Seven. All right. Okay. Um, so hang on. I've just hit an autoplay video. Speaking to sevennews.com.au, Ron said that his interest in time travel began when he was just a boy. He knew an old professor that everyone told him was crazy. (laughs) It's a fashion that was born out of personal tragedy. Ronald Mallett grew up in the Bronx, New York, the oldest of four children to Dorothy and Boyd Mallett. He was incredibly close to his father. For me, the sun rose and set on him. He spent a lot of time with me. His father, Boyd, was a television repairman, but instilled in young Ron a passion for science and reading. It's a shame that that Boyd Mallet wasn't like a carpenter or a no. Builder. I agree with you. I was hoping there would be some sort of Mallet reference as well. <laughs> I was that that was I was really like, let's go back to the granddad. What did the granddad do? <laughs> no, it's his dad. It was his dad. Boyd. No, Mallet. but I'm I'm just oh, saying. Oh, right. Like what I mean, the- I'm happy to go back as far as we can to find an original Mallet. <laughs> let's fire up this time machine and find out what you're <laughs> Oh yeah, that's is. yeah, that's the actual use. <laughs> When Boyd was 33 years old, he died suddenly of a massive heart attack. Now, sorry, the sentence is actually, but when Boyd was just 33 years old, he died suddenly 
of a massive heart attack. Now, I don't want to sound unkind, hmm. but when you can you be just 33 when your father dies? I mean, depending on it's the, it's the age. Oh, sorry, I get it. Sorry. The father was 33. It wasn't. <laughs> I, I, was I, believe, was I believe so. Yeah. Otherwise, I misread I mean, that. It's quite sad, but you had a good yeah. run. You're 33. Come on. Um, it left 10 year old Rob distraught. It completely devastated my life. I went from being a really happy, gregarious kid to becoming depressed. His way of coping was to indulge in those passions of science and reading. About a year after he died, I came across a book that changed my life. It was the classic illustrated version of the H.G. Wells classic, uh, the, the Time Machine. And in it, at the very first page, it says, Scientific people know very well that time is just the kind of, is a kind of space and we can move forward and backward in time just as we can in space. And when I saw those words, it was like a life preserver. I thought if I had a time machine, I could go back to the past and save his life. I think mean, this is a great, like if you were writing a Hollywood film about time travel, this is a perfect wound. This is a great motivation for your character. Instantly, Ron was inspired. He wanted to build a time machine to save his dad from dying. You know what? I feel, no. <laughs> I thought I might be able to put something together that looked like the machine on the cover. And of course, I had bicycle parts and all the television parts of my father's and everything. And of course, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> this is much funnier if we imagine him being 33, not 10. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't deter Ron. He became obsessed with science. Unable to afford college, Ron enlisted in the army. After serving, he was entitled to a subsidied university degree. He worked hard and after many years earned a PhD in physics specializing in Einstein's theory of relativity. Einstein was become Mallet's second hero after his father. <laughs> and and so after he saved his father's life, he was going to go back and save Einstein's life. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, they've included a photo of Albert Einstein in the article yeah. and the caption says Albert Einstein. <laughs> it's like possibly the, one of the most recognisable faces in the world. But, you know, of course. <laughs> it's his theory that really does say there is a real possibility of time travel. Einstein mm. developed two theories. One was developed in 1905 that was called the special theory of relativity. To put that in a nutshell, what he said that time can be altered by speed. Mallet gives the example of astronauts traversing space in a rocket that's traveling close to the speed of light. Time would pass differently on Earth than it would for the people in the rocket. They would actually come back finding Earth, uh, back, come back finding out that, that, that they're only a few years older, but the decades have passed here on Earth, he says. In other words, it's the interstellar phenomenon. <laughs> I think that's what Einstein called it, the... Uh, <laughs> interstellar time travel uh so this is very real uh we've seen the baby steps of it how about time travel to your past mm. well that was something that i was particularly interested in and it turns out that it cannot happen with einstein's einstein's special theory of relativity no matter how fast you go you cannot go back in time mm. so does it mean it's not possible well it turns out that einstein developed a second theory that allows for the possibility of time travel not only to the future but also to the past it was called his general theory of relativity and this theory is really a theory of gravity i mean here's what i would say about albert einstein though like undersold the second theory yeah it's actually a much better theory but the first one was called the special theory and this one's just the general theory this is like a marketing issue well it kind of feels like 
a B-side. I feel like general theory is like, uh, that, I've got my hit single. Special's going to yeah. be the hit. Special theory. I'm going to love forever, man. Like, I love <laughs> special theory. I've, I've loved you since special theory. What's this, this general is, theory? This is more for the hardcore Einstein heads. What, do you, what, what, what are Einstein's fans called? The, uh, the Steinies. <laughs> that probably sounds like a cult. The Steiners. You were Steiners. Uh, the Einsteins, <laughs> the Albertos, the Birdies. The Bir- Birdie, B- Birdies Beatles. Birdies Beatles, the Beatles. <laughs> oh, by the way, how good does that Beatles trailer look? Um, get back. Did you see that? That three-part Peter yeah, Jackson. Yeah, looks very cool. That looks awesome. Einstein's general theory of relativity says that what we call the force of gravity isn't a force at all. It's actually the bending of space by massive objects. If you can bend space, there's a possibility that you can twist space, says Mallet. In Einstein's theory, what we call space also involves time. That's why it's called space-time. Whatever it is, whatever you do to space, it also happens to time. And this is where the breakthrough, my work, came in. What I did was I solved Einstein's gravitational field equations for a special type of light laser light. <laughs> this is where I feel like it started to sound a bit like iffy. He solved one of Einstein's equations. <laughs> solved it. Rog did. Ron, sorry. Ron. Uh, old army Ron. Army Ron. <laughs> Rolled in. I mean, he might have. I mean, somebody will and... Like, you know, Ron seems like a very self-made man. He's got a good mission that is driving his work. Like he's, you know, obviously yeah, gone and like served his country and then used that to get himself an education. So no disrespect to Ron, but it is unlikely that Ron has solved time travel and the first time hearing about it is you on this podcast. <laughs> and my breakthrough was that if gravity can affect time and light can create gravity, then light can affect time i have to read that again Mm. so if gravity can affect time and light can create gravity Mm -hmm. then light can affect time okay i guess so so what i realized is that laser light could actually alter time Uh mallet posits that by twisting time into a loop one could travel from the future back to the past and then back to the future and this is the idea of a wormhole a sort of tunnel with two openings Mallet suggests that light could also be used to affect time via something called a ring laser. <laughs> There's actually, uh, you can see it, that's, that's, that's something he's mocked up, some concept art of the ring laser. It basically okay. looks like a boxing ring with laser ropes. <laughs> it does. It looks like some sort of futuristic boxing ring, like you're at some nightclub and there's some sort of fight yeah, happening like, in the nightclub. Yeah, Glorg is fighting Kandak 3 <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> from the planet Nubos. <laughs> he's created a prototype illustrating how lasers could be used to create mm. a circulating beam of light that twists space and time now all right i get all this i mean I tr- i've listened to the audio version of a brief history of time twice and mm-hmm. like i understand the words that are coming but i it's something I, is lost in the translation where i cannot mm. visualize what they mean like when they say space, who reads a brief history of time by the way is it like who is it just a general narrator or is there a celebrity who narrates it? oh it's just a no, generic generic english person okay yep. yeah it's i yeah i've i've had i've got had friends it's apparently this is like the dumbed down easy to understand physics version but i just 
I think what happens for me is, I, it, it's kind of like I understand that the internet is a thing. <laughs> But it's like, I don't understand how the signal goes from... Oh, no idea. You know, you and I can be speaking immediately without any cords plugged in or whatever. It's witchcraft. Witchcraft. It makes absolutely no sense. Like, how so, can it be? So when they say that space and time are the same thing, like it's... I mean, is it like... Is it like a blanket? An invisible blanket <laughs> that I can't touch? Like, it's, it's all around me now. So am I moving my hands through space-time... <laughs> right now and if i was heavy enough would my gravity yeah. drag this invisible you know what i see what i mean this is <laughs> that's the best i can visualize well i think it's impossible to visualize because it isn't a thing that we've seen or can understand this is all th theoretical like the fact that ron solved it is like you know heartening <laughs> yeah i mean don't get me wrong i hope this we go back to this article one day and we go, you know, a we, lot we of people laughed at Ron. <laughs> we, a lot of people mocked Ron at the start, but he did it. Um, okay, so he's used a circulating beam of light that twists space and time. I have no idea how that does that. There uh, is a catch, though. His time uh, machine would only be able to send information back in time and not uh, people. So it's not a time machine then, is it? And, <laughs> and it would only work at the moment the time machine was turned on. Mm. So this is Ron speaking. For example, right. if I turned it on today and left it on for, say, 10 years, I could mm. send back information seven years, five years, all the way back up to the time that the machine was turned on. Okay, so from the moment the machine is invented, mm -hmm. you can start receiving messages right. from the future. So, But we're already in that year. No, it's a prototype. He hasn't invented it. It's all, again, like you're saying, it's yeah, theoretical. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is that if his technology is that it just like from the moment you turn the machine on, it works, it can't take us backwards in time, can it? Because it can only ever take us back to now, which is when you might turn the machine on. Or in no, the he's future not, when it's, it's not taking us back in time. It's re basically, it's like a, you're turning on a radio that receives messages from the future. Yeah, but it doesn't even really because we're already in the future. Like... It's only in the future future that we're going to get these messages. Yes. And who cares? You're right. That? It's already the past. Like that sentence <laughs> right? is already the past. I get you. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say Let's just pay attention now. We don't need to get messages <laughs> from machines. the future. I can't send information earlier than that. What this means is that when time travel does occur, mm. it will have a limitation. Okay. It will not be able, we will not be able to visit our ancestors, but our descendants will be able to visit us. No, they won't because you just said it can't transmit people. Your descendants will be able to send you messages. Yeah, if it's from the year 2021. <laughs> I don't want a message from my own. I just say, you fucked up my life. You got with that moment, you got into that argument with that kid in the park. I'll never forget yeah. it. it. Ruined everything. So the, chances, uh, so the chances of Ron going back to the 1950s to save his father are not possible. But the real world implications of being able to send information back in time could have life changing consequences. Mm -hmm. In some sense, sending information back to the past is even more important than traveling back to the past. That's a car salesman who's like, look, it doesn't have brakes, but in some aspects, traveling forward, accelerating is more important than stopping. Imagine, for example, catastrophes like earthquakes, tsunamis, and all of these things that normally cause the loss of thousands of lives. And generally... Um, Unavoidable. Like, I don't know that sending information back 
about an impending well, natural disaster. Okay. No, let's, you know, let's actually explore what Ron, Ron is saying here because I've okay. mocked him a little bit. But say he turns on the machine next year. He develops it in the next year. He turns it on next year. So that means from the year 2022 onwards, mm. we can send messages back to the year 2022, right? So yeah. by the nature of that, would that mean that the minute he turned it on, we might get a series of messages from, say, 10 Holy years shit, or 20 years. Holy shit, the country is on fire. <laughs> Just, seriously. <laughs> I mean, we might, right? Yeah, totally. Because if you that technology is available, like imagine like if you turn it on and it's suddenly like, you know, if you've had your phone off and like somebody's been trying to get to you it's and you get to get messages. Like, yeah. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because... Like, that's just for the sake of this, this hypothetical, there's only one of these machines. There's not yeah. multiple. There's one of these machines that requires that much power and resources that it's housed in one place. So we turn it on in 2022, and then let's say there's fucking like a giant, um, there's a giant tsunami that hits, you know, the, the east coast of Australia in the latter half of 2022. So we send that message back. By the time we get to through the next decade, like if you looked at the last 10 years in terms of like COVID aside, like SARS, the mRNA, like all, all the pandemics. Yeah, that how happened, many messages we'd be sending you, back? We'd be sending be back constant shockers. messages. Yeah, and what are we meant to do about it? It's like, holy shit. Like I wish I hadn't turned it on. Because the other thing, I mean, the other thing too is you're going to get, imagine climate skeptics. Like what they're, how they're going to pivot as well. Like if you get, you turn it on and it's like, holy fucking shit. It was so much worse than we anticipated. Like net zero by 2050 wasn't enough. You've got to get to net zero now. Like you've got to implement it in the next three years. Otherwise it's going to, you're never going to, like what's Andrew Bolt writing in his column? Well, oh, well. Yeah, it seems I mean, we're going to put all our faith in a bit of technology that Ron, time machine that was inspired by a work of fiction. Well, I think this is a work of fiction. HG, <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> I mean, they would, wouldn't they? Like, if there was, if it was yeah. in like if it was inarguably true that this was working, they would still find a way to say, I don't know. I think we should just build a few more coal coal-fired power stations. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, people wouldn't believe necessarily that they were messages from the future because how would you prove that they were messages from the future and not a hoax? Like if somebody just started saying, I've cracked time travel and you know, we're getting messages from the future, you've got to move out of your house by like March or whatever. Like I'd be a bit skeptical, would, I reckon. I imagine in the testing of it, so just say it's, you know, it goes online uh, you know, February 25th, 2022, you would say, okay, a week from now um, on February, uh, well, <laughs> fuck, what is it a leap year? Fuck myself. Let's say it's, <laughs> let's say it's March 20th. <laughs> you did do the most difficult day to work out a week from <laughs> that you could possibly choose. You made <laughs> You could have chosen any date and you went with one that made it so hard to do the maths. Not only late in a month, but February. 
the 25th. Who fucking knows what a week from that is? I know, April 7th? The whole project falls apart because I picked February 25th. No, February 25th. But is it a leap year? It's a double year. No, no, 20 was a leap year, I think. All right, so it's March 7th. It gets yeah. turned on. And you, you agree that on... Um, March 14th, you are going to read them like their their headlines on the New York Times or whatever. So when we yes. turn it on on March 7th, a signal coming through saying like, you know, um, Fallon renewed for another season. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I could think of that has new... Who does that show in New People York? People are in the streets going, no, the future is terrible. <laughs> But so you'd test it. So you'd have proof. And there would be a whole yeah. range of those tests, I imagine. <laughs> so you couldn't have people doubting its veracity because it's but just... But people, like, I mean, you go and see Penn and Teller and they do, like, magic tricks with, like, being able to predict what the headlines are and stuff. How could you know that it wasn't just someone who had an inside person at the New York Times who... Oh, I guess he, the news... But well, what 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 is impossible to fake? Like, what could someone from the future, like the exact weather? And I get that that's predictable. Um, I guess it would have lot, to be something lotto numbers. Someone di- someone lotto- dying or someone like oh, yeah. no, I reckon lotto numbers and stuff like that are easier to fake. Manipulate. Right, you can do tricks to be able to do those sort of things, but like you can't fake someone dying. So like a celebrity dying. So we turn on the machine. And we wait for a celebrity to die. <laughs> you've, got a, you've got Betty White looking very, very nervous in the nursing home. <laughs> we turn on the machine and we get Betty White some skydiving lessons. Sli- <laughs> some slippery stairs. We buy her some extra slippery stairs. Um, okay. So Ron says, imagine if uh, catastrophes like earthquakes, tsunamis and all these things that normally cause cost thousands of lives. If I could send information back to the past and warn myself of that or other catastrophes, even health catastrophes, for example, then these things could save thousands, maybe millions of lives. That is true. So what are we waiting for? Professor Mallet says he has proved that this theoretically is possible, but will it become a reality? According to Ron, it will. <laughs> of course, he's got a vested interest. Imagine if he's, according to Ron, it's a 50-50. In fact, he says probably not. <laughs> Sorry for wasting your time. I appreciate you doing the interview. <laughs> According to Ron, it will, but it needs funding and lots yeah. of it. This is where it gets dicey. It does. The energy required to mm. test his theory in reality is galactic. When I say galactic, I'm talking about unbelievably large. But does that mean it won't be able to happen? No, that becomes an engineering problem. My personal feel, okay, because I guess he's t- what he's talking about is literally bending space-time, twisting space-time to yeah, create... probably can't like run it off a couple of double A's. Like, no. you probably need some proper energy behind that. And that's why you've got to build more coal-fired power stations, Will, because you're not getting that base load off bloody wind and the solar, I tell you that much. The future will thank us. <laughs> my personal feeling is that quantum theory will have a, a role to play. Mm-hmm. And you know what, I, and this is my own personal editorial, I reckon nanobots as well. Yeah, I mean, it does sound like something they'd say in a Marvel movie, yada, yada, over some stuff. I reckon it's probably quantum theory and nanobots. 
So in using a practical time machine and having a way of overcoming the so-called energy barrier that's needed, uh, but that is something for future work research. All right, Ron's fucking pushing back from the desk. Done for the day. Time for to go to the pub. Ron is doing a victory lap when basically he's just got a theory. Now, yeah. I know that's what science is, but it is a almost impossible to test theory, which is... Like, you know, if you have to get all this energy to even run a test to see if it works, it is absolutely 100% a theory. Uh, Ron is trying to raise the funds to begin experimentation, but then he, he knows he needs a lot. How much does he need? Start. Oh, you reckon we start a Patreon for Ron's <laughs> time twister? Well, mate, honestly, like, how much does he need? Does well, we he raised how a, much he We need? raised 100000 for yeah. bushfire relief, so... How much do you need, Ron? Hit well, you know, what the best, you know what the best bushfire relief is? Messages from the, future, from the future warning us about bushfires that are coming. If he's not able to raise the amount needed, he's hopeful his breakthrough will pave the way for future time travel. Now, I'm not sure if you, this is a little sidebar, but did you know, this is an old story, it was um, been around for a while, but in China, they ban depictions of time travel, like it's not allowed by the state media, like movies and fiction mm. that feature time travel because it's considered... I don't know, like an insult to reality or, or something like that. But I think maybe the Chinese, they're, they're banning all that shit because they've got, they've been developed, they're on Ron's theory. They've been developing uh, time travel. I mean, oh, yeah. if you're a company with infinite resources, mm. you have a vested interest in developing this material, right? This, this I mean, machine. China already have a lot of power and if China wanted to have more power... This like China it. would be the major buyer for this. If I was Ron, I wouldn't be shopping this to Seven News. Like, you know, Ron's got to get over on like Weibo or something, yeah. get over into the Chinese market and say, I'm your guy. Because like then China can use that information to completely take over the world if they want to. He's wary of the potential power of his discovery. Oh, yeah, okay. I think so that one of the, the things... The cause with the Chinese haven't been going well is what he's saying. <laughs> I think that one of the things we have to decide is do we want to have time travel? It turns out that human beings, by our nature, if we find that we can do something, we usually will try and do it. So if we know that we can travel back into the past, we'll try to find a way of doing that. Mm -hmm. And that means there's going to be have to be regulations. Oh, bloody oh, hell. Oh, boom. Well, communist bloody rules, dictator Dan's got his hands conditions. all over this. <laughs> Gonna overregulate time travel, are you? Bloody hell. <sighs> Do I need what's what next? A license to bloody put my toast in the bloody toaster? <laughs> we should try and use it in a way that will benefit mankind, of regulating it for the betterment of the human race. Because that's always what we do, isn't it, Will? We've and it always works out perfectly. We've got this infinite energy source. Let's make world hunger a thing of the past. Nah. Let's make bombs. <laughs> And that's a wonderful thing for me personally. The quest that I had was to show this was possible. And for me, the satisfaction I get is that my father would have been very proud of what I've been able to accomplish, even if I am not able to get the chance to see him again. Uh, and he has a book. If you're interested in reading more about Ron's uh, uh, time twister, he has a book called Time Traveler, and it's available on Amazon.com. Okay. Well, you know what? I think I will uh read that. I'm interested. It, it does actually sound quite interesting. I don't know how legit it sounds, but it sounds very nah. interesting. Well, I did quickly re read some of the and reviews. And I do think that he has let down his dad because he's got his dad's hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> I did read some of the reviews online and it, it wasn't 
it did not to me read like a, a scientific non-fiction work it read to me very much like a scientist's kind of memoirs where he interrelates you know the theory of time travel with his own personal experiences with some scientific elements as well so because as we know will like everyone loves to point out one work of fiction being like oh this is the this is like primer that's the best time travel film or looper now that's the most scientifically accurate time travel film but as we know that is impossible there is no scientifically accurate time travel well, film until now until, until Ron until Time Twister it's <laughs> <Oops>, so long <laughs> uh, alright let's uh, wrap things up before we do that can we plug our website you should go there you should go to tofot.com we've got lots of great podcasts there we've got one called Willosophy Will who's on this week um, so this last week just gone, uh, Ashling B was on and I still recommend that one cause that's been a very popular episode and Charlie Pickering an uh, episode that I recorded with our friend Charlie Pickering months ago now about, uh, my old housemate, that, Charlie Pickering. Yeah, correct. Your old <laughs> housemate, Charlie Pickering and murdered by uh, the anchor man when he was trying to hunt down me. Rest in peace, Charlie Pickering. So we're putting out that episode and, uh, Justin Hamilton. Uh, is on Fofop, who used to do a radio show with Charlie Pickering and Terry Siakas. There you go. It's all connected this all week. All connected. Uh, there is no uh, new two guys, one cup. But I have decided on the summer series. I need to talk to, to Will about it. Uh, but there is going to be a summer series coming out for two guys, one cup. I'm excited about it. Probably, I'll say, uh, around mid to late November, that will be starting up. Uh, and will probably be weekly up until the new football season starts. But there'll be more. And to talk I about am that. toying with the idea, uh, toying with the mm. idea, um, because it is the Ashes uh, this year in Australia. Um, and so I'm toying with the idea of dropping a couple of, uh, I don't know, Cricket. two guys. Two guys, one stump, two guys, or oh yeah, like two guys. I don't know. Like That's so, great. Something. Two guys, one Into ball. The feed. Two guys, one. Uh cup protecting cup but whatever it is um into the feed uh, i've got i mentioned i was on oh i was on mark howard's show the howie games he's doing an artist series yeah. and so it's like two and a half hours swear. of howie and i he, he's done 140 episodes he's never sworn he swore which was nice um but people can listen to that but we just discussed the idea of uh doing an ashes podcast and then uh, Tony Wilson got in touch with me and he'd, he'd heard the episode and was like, hey, if you want to talk about the Ashes, I'd be up for it. I know Adam Spencer and I were going to try to go to one of the games together. So um, there might be a few. If anyone who listens to Two Guys, One Cup uh, is interested in cricket, I might drop a few random cricket Ashes episodes in over the summer as well. And uh, there'll be more Lessons for Life with Alan Mercedes coming onto the YouTube channel. And I think in about a week's time, I just got to work out with uh, Richie. He asked me to delay the release of the new Alan Mercedes videos because he has another more serious work that was released last <laughs> week and he didn't want it to detract from his serious acting role. So I said, yes, I'll wait a couple of weeks before I release Alan Mercedes. But just keep your eyes on the Tofop YouTube channel, which is Tofop TV at YouTube. But I think that's it. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs> <laughs>